1: SpursCast episode 530. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of the Cast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I don't think
2: many other people are doing so well after the rodeo road trip, but the good news is it's over.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really... I mean, I already actually have the title for this episode. It's called The, F- the Rodeo Road Trip is Finally Over. I mean, that's kind of yeah. where the Spurs are right now. You know, their yeah. worst rodeo rodeo road trip in team history, 1-7. Obviously, you know, we're going to get into the stats and everything and and, the, and what, we, what we saw, our observations about how they just got clobbered on the road. Uh, and now they do get to return to the, to the AT&T Center. However, Mike, before I begin uh, with this conversation regarding the Spurs, I do want to give a shout out here to um, San Antonio Magazine, a magazine here in San Antonio, uh, for, for, for naming Project Spurs... Uh, as part of their best of the city, 2019 awards that uh, they, they called us the best podcast for Spurs fans. So again, I do want to extend that, that, that thank you to San Antonio magazine for recognizing us, for listening to the episodes. Um, and, you know, just all the guests that have come on, Mike, yourself, you know, all of our writers here at Project Spurs these last two seasons, also different guests that have come on from different networks and, and, and writers and things like that. And then also even to the, to the listeners, those of you listening to the Spurs cast, thank you so much for listening. Obviously, if we didn't have your support, you know, this probably wouldn't be going. You know, we do know that y'all listen, you all you know t- talk to us about how you like the episodes, what you do, do like, what you don't like. And so we really, really thank you for that for that support. And it shows in, in us, um, you know, getting that recognition from San Antonio magazine. Did you want to add anything, Mike?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just have to say again thanks to everyone involved. I think um, I think it's really awesome for this to happen, especially because you took over. What has it been a year or just like once? Yeah, season? it's
1: basically been a, year, a season and a half now that I've been doing this.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so things kind of shifted order fast, and and we kind of had like a direction that you want to take this, and I was uh, all about it. It seems like it's working. It seems like everybody likes you know that it's kind of the middle of the road, it's not like heavily biased one way. And so I think that the listeners kind of like that. And obviously the editors from the magazine liked it as well. So again, just thanks a lot. It's been something that uh, a lot of people have been involved in over the years. So just uh, uh, again, thanks to everyone involved in go pick up a copy. Uh, I got one at Walmart. I know they they were at CVS and um, we're also going to be having a, a party pretty soon. So check out the website for more information on that.
1: Yeah, so uh thanks again to San Magazine. And Mike, that's obviously actually you know, I know I know that they put me as like the host and stuff, but you're actually part of that award too, just because of the fact that, that you are the for those of you that listen to this episode every week, Mike's actually the guy who's who does all the mixing, who does all the editing. You know, he's he's in there, he's doing all that work uh behind the scenes for, to make these episodes happen each week. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and get into the um actually to the Spurs cast episode five hundred and thirty. If you're on Twitter, please follow Mike at MDeleon. Let's begin, Mike, with the rodeo road trip. So let's first begin by recapping the the last three games that the Spurs played. Uh, and then we'll just kind of talk about the trip as a whole. So Friday night, the Spurs, you know, come back from the All-Star break. They get Derek White back, and they almost beat the Toronto Raptors. You know, one one of the dominant teams out West, seeing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green for a second time this season. The Spurs are up with, uh, with 16 seconds left. DeMar DeRozan brings the ball up. Kawhi does a patented Kawhi, you know, Spurs-type steal where, you know— when the Spurs were on that side, when he was wearing the Spurs jersey, mm-hmm. you know, the fans cheered. I mean, the team was was winning ball games because he was able to do it for them. Now, the Spurs won on the opposite and, and got to feel the fate of what that looks like whenever Kawhi gets that late-game steal, takes it in for a dunk or a layup, and he did that. So, the Spurs, you know, fought hard, you know, and they almost beat Toronto. They lost 120-117. Then... On Sunday, the Spurs were a nine-point favorite heading into the uh, lottery-bound New York Knicks. The Knicks are trying to lose games purposely to try to get the number one pick overall uh, or increase their chances at doing that. However, that was not the case. Uh, The Spurs lost 130-118. Again, the New York Knicks put 130 points on the Spurs' defense. There was no Derek White. Uh, you know, he was active, but Pop basically thought, you know, the Spurs basically did, didn't need him, and plus it was a back-to-back, so they thought, you know, they basically thought that, you know, this is a, this is going to be a win. Even DeMar DeRozan said that after the game, but no, that wasn't the case. New York was playing so well, and the Spurs could not contain them that in the second half, Coach Pop had to go with the zone defense. And that's where you know that the Spurs are in trouble. That was something Matt Bonner mentioned. That was something Sean Elliott's mentioned on different broadcasts that, you know, these are guys that have played for pop and, and they know that pops fundamental defense is man to man. And when he's going to zone, it means that he cannot figure out how to stop this opponent. And that was the case against the Knicks. So then the next night, the Spurs play a back-to-back on Monday in Brooklyn. Now they were a, a, um, a an underdog in this game by two, but you know, they basically got clobbered again. They lost one hundred one eighty five. 85, um, Derek White did come back for this game, but Pop made a change to the starting lineup. He actually took out Rudy Gay and put in Davis Bertans. That didn't help at all. You know, they only put 85 points on the scoreboard. They had their worst shooting night by accuracy from three, shooting 17% from the floor, uh, 4 24. Um, and, you know, from the get-go, Pop went with that zone defense, and by the end of the night, Brooklyn had launched 53s on the Spurs' defense, and Brooklyn made 19 of those. Um, so... You know, I really talked about defense, defense. Uh, what have been your, your your thoughts on these last three games, Mike? Uh It's, it's just crazy. It just seems like uh, two different teams. The
2: team that we saw in Toronto was just like just totally different. And I, I guess a lot of that have, had to do with, I guess, the emotions with DeMar going back in Toronto and playing, you know, against his old team or whatever. But just that team, they, I mean, they put like 33 in the second and 35 in the third. And I was like, I was used to seeing them put up those kind of points. And um, they were right there just to have, like you said, that heartbreakable play. It's funny because so many people were, like, complaining about tomorrow. I was like, how many times did you see Kawhi do that over the last, like, several years? And it didn't matter who it was. He so always did it. You can't really com- complain or say anything about the player. It just That's just what Kawhi does. It's such a classic thing. But then, you're right, as soon as it it they went from, from Canada, it's like New York. I don't know what happened there. Obviously, Derek White being out of that Knicks game uh, didn't help at all. I know he's on a the minutes restri- restrictions still, but they've just been having trouble uh, with offense. And I know that Pop wanted to start Dallas because he did so well against Toronto at 16 points, but they just have not been able to get, I think especially against Brooklyn, where the bench, they really counted the bench, especially guys like Marco and Patty. They're always there, it seems like, and they just couldn't get that same uh, production out of them. So it was Rudy that was doing it off the bench and then, when obviously Dallas is not doing, he had two points in 31 minutes, when he's not bringing that. So it kind of like minimizes that completely. So, I mean, we know they're not known for defense. We know that that's that's where the struggles are. But then when they struggle on offense, it's almost like, what do you do there? That's when you're kind of just looking for answers when you go to the zone and things like that. Because I think that when you can't just stay with teams and shoot with teams and and get wins that way, and, you know, the defense obviously is not in shape enough to – to be able to stop guys like Damian Dotson, which is crazy. I can't believe I ever say that sentence in my (laughs) life, but it happened. And uh, I mean, you you have guys like D'Angelo Russell that, you know, play has been playing really well. I mean, so it it was just one of those things where it just makes something switched. And um, it's, it's uh, a back-to-back story is hard, but you know, that's just not an encouraging sign, but luckily it's like we said, it is over and they can come back. But, they still have a, a crazy schedule coming up that's not going to be easy either.
1: Yeah, and you know now let's just talk a little bit about you kind of t- touched a lot of points there, but let's just talk a little bit about the um, overall rodeo road trip, the product, how it went. So they did go one in seven, like I mentioned earlier, which is their worst rodeo road trip ever since they've since they've started doing that doing it in the early two thousands. Uh, in six of their eight games, they gave up one hundred and twenty more one hundred and twenty or more points to the opponent. They were down by double digits in seven of those eight games. The only one they came back to win was that Memphis game where they fell behind by 13. They also fell behind by 20 in five of the eight games. I mean, they were just, like I said, clobbered. They were just getting clobbered night after night in these games on the road. And it wasn't just their defense. Obviously, we know the defense is bad. They were 30th during the road trip, uh, giving up 120.8 points per 100. But it was the offense, too. They were 23rd on offense during this time. And, you know, I just wrote my 60-game piece, the evaluation, and they were, you know, they're still a top-10 offense overall. But I mean, even th- at this moment right now, they were really struggling. And you saw that, like you mentioned, you know, one one should be enough now to beat the Nets on Monday. But they could, they could only put eighty five points on the scoreboard, and and it was a move that you thought would help the offense with bird in and Star lineup, and that wasn't the case. Uh, did you have any any other comments you wanted to add about the Radio road trip?
2: No, it's just that I I couldn't have predicted. This. I I thought when I looked at it, I went four and four, and I was telling people, okay, I you know you all gonna hate me saying this, that they're gonna go four and four, but that's what I saw. But I don't think I would have ever guessed one in seven. I knew those there were some tough games on there, but I felt like there were some winnable ones for sure. The Knicks and Nets, I thought at least they'd win one of those. You know, uh, Grizzlies for sure, and some of these other ones. But uh, yeah, one seven is like I can't. I think you said it, that's like the worst road road trip yeah. result they've, they've ever had. I can't remember anything being so bad before.
1: Yeah, and you know, and like like you said, that that Knicks game is inexcusable to lose that game. You know, and and then, you know, of course, Derek White was out, but that's not, you know, that's you still have an all star on the court. You have LaMarcus Aldridge. You still have a guy who's close to all star potential, Demar Derozan. You know, you have everyone else there. You cannot say that you can't beat the Knicks without Derek White. I mean, it's just that was just a bad performance, and they and honestly, they almost went zero and eight because they barely beat the Grizzlies. They barely yeah. beat the Grizzlies by one point if we go back and remember before the All Star break. So obviously it's over like we, like we just said a few a few moments ago and now they go back home and they have the majority of their games now at home to end the year but still i mean if, they've lost to some bad teams here in the at&t center too so it's not like you know home's going to be just going to change things overnight it's not it's, no, it's not like a magic wand or anything all right mike let's go ahead and get into um you know the thing that basically has been the spurs' is, um you know one weakness all year and that's defense Um uh, you know it's looked at its worst right now here on the rodeo road trip it looks like that defense we saw from november to like early december when they were really just getting uh, you know beaten by teams by by 20 30 points a night like we're seeing lately uh, so so right now defensively this is per nba.com um, they're 23rd on defense overall 109.6 points per 100 is what they're holding their opponent to uh, the only other playoff team out west that's in that in the bottom ten is Houston. So Houston's at twenty second. So so it's just the Spurs and Houston are playing terrible defense and still yet holding on to a playoff seed. Uh, one thing that's really been a, an issue for them during the road trip specifically is fast break points, transition defense. You know, overall in the year, they're twenty fourth in, in allowing fast break points to the opponent, giving up fourteen point nine. However, during the rodeo road trip, they were 28th, giving up 21 fast break points. So that's basically uh, seven more points that they're giving up here on, on during the rodeo road trip. Um, You know, what do you think that that attributes to? Is, is it just like those athletic teams, somebody like the Kings comes to mind, somebody like the Warriors are just getting up and down, or is it just communication and, and not enough consistency without Derek White out there?
2: I, mean, I, I really think it's been a mix of everything because I, I have seen some plays where it just seems like Things are breaking down, or are you know some of the choices they some of the players have made like uh, in their own matchups they're just not making uh, the the reads quick enough. But then communication it, it's kind of the same thing. I think I saw it. Uh, it must have been a few games back where I saw there was one game and uh, Rudy Gay was out there, and I think it was both uh, Lamarcus and tomorrow, I think it was against the Warriors, and, and they lost that game. But I saw him out there like communicating and kind of like barking out orders. know something I liked to see, but then I haven't seen that as much. And I don't know if he feels as comfortable when the other guys are out there, um, you know, being that kind of leader. But I think that's something that they kind of need right now. And then Derek White being out just, just uh, definitely hurting. And I think everybody saw now exactly how much of a, you know, first how much growth uh, he's gone, uh, he's, he's done in a year, but also how much he's has to his team, especially because they lost so much in defense. So we talked about it already with injury with, a trade with the free agency and everything else and he's been kinda of like their top wing defender um this year because of that. And losing him, it kinda of just you, you don't know where to look for answers. I mean you kept turning to somebody like Darty Cunningham but he's not getting a ton of minutes and so it's kinda of like perhaps just having to like find something and I, that all together just, just added up to kind of a mess defensively uh throughout this world trip.
1: Yeah, and two words you mentioned there that I really want to key in on is is read and and communication. And read in the matter of, you know, Figuring, even if even if it's not your your guy you know when when, the, when your team misses a shot or they score and, and somebody starts running off the court you got to just make that read it's pick up somebody you know that's open there's been a lot of plays with the Spurs if you like scored a bucket and then the next team the next thing you know is like two seconds later the opponent's running down the court and like somebody's throwing like an outlet pass and they're and they're making a bu- bucket off that type of read so again it's that read it's it's that communication also where you know talk to talk to your teammates you know get you know get this guy get that guy you know you know talk to each other and that's something that you're just not seeing here especially with those um those fast break points they're giving up, and I think that I don't know if it was Pop or one of the players. There was a few games ago uh, where there was a quote from from someone like that, where about just talking about you know knowing when to pick up the to pick up somebody, when, you know, just when they're when they're out in transition. Uh, that that's a key thing for this team that they're struggling with right now, and you see it. I mean, giving up 21 fast break points a night is just you know it's going to dig you in a hole for a team that plays a slower pace, a team that shoots mainly mid range shots and doesn't really get the, the, the points from the three point line to the free throw line. Um, Another part that I want to talk about defensively is the zone defensive scheme that we've been seeing now. We've seen it for about a game and a half. And like I mentioned, I go back to those, those two players that have played for Pop, Matt Bonner and Sean Elliott. They've talked about how when Pop goes to a zone, it's because you know he he's he's just struggling to figure out the, for figure out that other offense. He's you know sometimes he might use it as a scheme for like a quarter, or like five or, or two to five minutes. But when he's doing it for an entire game, this shows that yeah, he's just trying to figure out just a basic defensive concept. You know, just get everybody in the right place. May, try try to move around. You know, try try to shrink the floor as much as possible, uh, wherever the ball's at. And it didn't work because obviously you see Brooklyn, you know, even though Brooklyn scored one-on-one, they got 53s and against a really good three-point shooting team, they're just going to, they're going to, they're just going to, you know, basically have, have their way against the Spurs' defense. I think that it's very concerning to me, just in my opinion, that Rudy and Derek White were both healthy and, Pop didn't start Rudy, where he he, he yeah. went away from that man-to-man defense. And I, you know, if all season long, I've I've been on that on that on that I guess you could say bandwagon of saying, you know, if Rudy and Derek are, are healthy, they can play you know league average to about 20th uh, defense because obviously you know look at the stats, they're their two best defenders. I've mentioned how Rudy's kind of like their Draymond Green, where he can switch, you know, at the four and, and just you know help out, ease that pain uh, of letting guys penetrate. And Derek's obviously, like you said, he's their best perimeter defender that's healthy right now with Dejounte out, so he can make that. He can he can guard anyone right now out on the wing and. And make those switches and reads and try to limit penetration, even with weak defenders next to him in Bryn Forbes and DeRozan. But for Pop, to have those two guys healthy against the Nets here, and and not even use them, not even use that scheme, that man-to-man scheme, and just go totally away from it, it does concern me that if he comes out on on Wednesday against the Pistons with that same type of approach of more zone defense, maybe Rudy coming off the bench, I really feel that maybe Pop has too has given up on his normal man-to-man scheme, especially with those two guys when they're healthy. That's really concerning for me. Yeah. What, what do you think?
2: No, yeah, for sure, and I, I think it kind of disrupts some things. That, I mean, and I know a lot of people are big fans of of Java starting and everything, but I feel like. It takes away from that second unit because with with him there, along with Marco and Patty, I mean, it seems like they, they that bench is always consistent and they always contribute. I feel like kind of it kind of just uh, disrupts what they have going and whatever comes through they have going. And yeah, it's almost like he was kind of in that mode where it's like let's just go everything and see awesome. kind of what sticks or what works for them. And the zone obviously did it, but yeah, I mean, I feel like their best chance. I know they're trying to bring. Derek uh, back, but he says he's wanted to reset, and it's one of those things where it's like I don't know how long they're gonna continue to keep him at like the 25 minute mark, but he's probably gonna have to play more minutes in order for him to be effective because he he played well against Quiet, but then he was out of the game, you know, at some critical moments. So I don't know if they're gonna have to rush him back, but when those two are on the floor, especially together, that's when I know at least okay. So there's two guys that they can count on for defense, and so. You know, not not using that what seems like your best strength on, on defense is definitely something that you know kind of has you concerned because it's it's aside from the fact that that's probably your best option, it kind of gives you the feeling that you know he's just not sure what to do, and I guess that's never really a a, a very good feeling to have.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what that's what surprised me, man. Honestly, I can't even I can't remember going back to games where Pops just from the get go against that where he just said, Let's just do zone defense basically the majority of the game. I can't like I've seen him do it in stretches to try to do it more so for strategy or like Matt Bonner said, uh, whenever, you know, they just can't stop someone, but to do it for an entire game that was that was really, really drastic in my opinion. And again, maybe he was just experimenting. Maybe he was just like, Okay, let's see what happens here if we just try this zone defense for an entire game and obviously, you know, Statistically, it might have kind of you know looked pretty good. Where it's, again, they held them to one on one, but again, the fact that the Nets launched fifty threes is not is not very good, uh, a number to watch. So again, I'm really, really watching this Wednesday game against Detroit. You know, does Rudy start, and does Pop go away from his his, his defensive scheme of normal defensive man to man defense, where you switch, you try to switch as much as possible, you take away the rim, you take away the corner three, give up the the mid the mid range, and give up the 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 um, above the break threes. So we'll see if they go back to their normal approach. Uh, with Rudy and if not I mean you, if if you really see them start again with his own defense against Detroit I, they really feel like yeah I mean they're they're really at a point now where they don't they don't you know they're really just trying to find anything like you said that sticks anything that just works so so that right now for defensively you know I really am a little bit more concerned than, than I you know than I was you know usually I had that excuse of oh well Derek's out and Rudy was out you know they were just never consistently there but when you have both guys there healthy and pops on putting them on the floor together I really feel like that is a, a major problem for the for the defense um, all right, Michael, our last uh, topic, let's go ahead and look at the, uh, what, I, you know, for now, cause the Spurs are in eighth the night that you and I are recording this on, um, on Tuesday evening, I'm going to call this the playoff lottery watch because, you know, either way, the Spurs is the ball can bounce on either side. They, they could be a playoff team here in a few weeks, or they could just be a lottery team and miss the playoffs for the first time in over 20, um, uh, years. So let's go ahead and talk about first the, uh, playoff watch. So right now, like I mentioned, they are eighth with a record of 33 and 29. Uh, right, about, right, right ahead of them is the, the Clippers. They are 34 and 28 and seven. And then right behind them are the Kings at 31 and 29. Now, one thing in the Spurs' favor is that they do have one of the easier schedules to end the year. Uh, this is from tankathon.com. Um, you know, the, if you look at just the Western conference team, the Spurs have the eight, the, um, let me see here. What is it? The sixth easiest schedule. Their, their opponent winning percentage right now is at 49%. The bad thing though is is that the the Kings have an easier schedule than them. They have the third easiest schedule, the second easiest schedule, and then the Clippers have the fourth easiest schedule. Um, you know, the, the Lakers have a pretty tough schedule. They have the tw- the 12th um, easiest, and then uh, it was like Minnesota, they're, they're way behind there too. So so I really do right now, I do feel like it's going to come down to 7, 8, 9. It's going to come down to Spurs, Clippers, Kings, in that order. Uh, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Clippers are after what, what they did at the trade deadline, I feel like, I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain that spot at all. So I think they have a chance to, you know, even if if uh, the Kings were able to move up the 21 game right there, I think that the Spurs still manage to get into the to the 7th or 8th spot and maybe even the Clippers come down a bit. So I guess we'll see. Just because I feel like right now the Kings are kind of the bigger threat or have, have more of a chance uh, at the postseason than the Clippers do. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 – crazy how everything changes i mean if you look at from six through nine basically that's just a, just a handful of games so uh with like just over 20 or so games left i mean things can change quite a bit
1: yeah for sure and you know there, there there's a there's a there's an incentive for the clippers to kind of just tank and, and end it or there's the, you know there's a the reason not to so obviously um I mean, one of the things that I, when I was researching was that if they if they were just to tank and try to get the 14th pick, basically get the ninth seed, uh, they get to keep their pick, so they get a lottery yeah. pick. However, if they do try to push for it and get to the playoffs, which I think there was a quote by Steve Ballmer, Ballmer. recently who said yeah. he wanted, yeah, he wanted to get into the playoffs. I mean, this is the Clippers owner. Now, if they do that, then the then the pick 15 through 30 goes to Boston. Yeah. So right now, I mean, they want as of as of Monday night, they they got a mm-hmm. victory, and like I said, they're seventh right now, and like I said, they have an easier schedule than the Spurs. So right now, you know, they kind of are in the driver's seat. I also look at took apart, um, you know, how many home games and road games have left. So the Spurs and Clippers each have 12 home games left and 8 road games. The Kings have 11 home, uh, 11 on the road. Now, I looked at the top 10 teams who they still got to face in terms of by record as of right now for both the West and East. The Spurs have the hardest schedule in this in this department. They have 8 uh, top 10 teams left. They got the Thunder, the Nuggets twice, the Bucks, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Celtics. The the Clippers have seven of those teams left, and then the Kings have the easiest route. They only have six of those teams left. So, so like I said, even though you know the Spurs do have an easier schedule, a very soft schedule, the fact that they lost to a team like the Knicks, who's below, who are below five hundred, you know that doesn't carry, guarantee two wins against the Hawks that the Spurs are going to play. That doesn't guarantee two wins against the Cavs who the Spurs are still going to play coming up. And plus, like I mentioned, the Kings and Clippers do have an easier road to end the season than the Spurs do.
2: Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean, and, and having games, I mean, I'll, Brooklyn. I can't really talk about them as as one of the uh, worst teams in the in the East anymore, just because they're like an upstart team, they're doing a lot of six right now. But having that opportunity against the Knicks and then even Toronto with the, with the chance to win that, it felt like those were two games where they let look at they could really put themselves and maybe not secure themselves completely, but had a better chance in, in the seeding with especially with um, a few tough games coming up because now you know especially in the next three games those are all you know kind of in the air
1: yeah so so like when i say like the lottery watch that's kind of where the spurs uh you know right now because they're in the eighth seed they would be projected as a tankathon to get the 18th pick but you know if they fall to ninth again uh that right away gives them the 14th pick most likely so um you know and that 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 pick has a 2.4 percent chance of landing number four if it were to fall in the lottery so right now you know, we're still, you know, we're still a few weeks away from from the playoffs. But as of right now, the Spurs are, it, it, we're in that mode again where we're having to watch, like just like last year, where you're, you're having to watch the standings nightly and see, you know, who's moving up, what are, the, what are the tiebreaker scenarios. And again, I really feel like the Lakers have a tough road to end the year, so I really yeah. don't think they're going to get in there. Uh, the, who else, Minnesota's playing well, but they have a very hard schedule to end the year. Utah has the easiest schedule out west to end the year, so I feel like they're actually going to climb up. Uh, Houston has a pretty easy schedule as well. So so it's going to get interesting here, um, you know, what happens. Uh, so I really feel like those three, those last three teams, whoever's going to get that ninth spot and miss the playoffs, it's either going to be the Spurs, the the uh, Kings, or the Clippers. So so we'll, it'll be interesting to watch uh, here as the season starts to wind down. Uh, our last topic, Mike, let's go ahead and preview the upcoming Spurs games. Um, you know, they're, now that they've been on the road, they're finally back home, so they're going to have three straight home games before they go have to go back on the road. So Wednesday they play uh, here in San Antonio against the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons right now, only because they're in the East, they are a playoff team technically. They're 7th, yeah. only because, you know, with the losing record. Uh, the Pistons on the road, they are 11-17. Offensively, they're 24th on the road, and defensively, they're 10th. Uh, at home, the Spurs are 22-7, and seven, very good. 7th offensively and 16th defensively. Who do you have on Wednesday in San Antonio between the Spurs and Pistons? However, I should also note that the Spurs are a 4.5-point favorite from Vegas.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is one where it's like... I don't think you can take them too lightly just because they've played pretty well lately. Uh, uh, the Pistons have it. They've won their last three and they got a, a pretty good win over the Pacers who have done really well, even after losing Victor Depot. They were close in uh, a game against the Celtics. It's one of those games where I think they might end up having to, I, I don't know if, if they'll sit really, but it's going to be tough because they've got Blake and the Griffin and Drummond inside. And so what do you do? I mean, you can't put, you know, uh, You've got to go with Marcus and somebody else on those guys and they're on the boards. So they're just crazy. But I do think the Spurs will pull this one out. Uh, I don't think it'll be an easy one. I think if people look just by schedules, uh, they might be fooled a little bit by this one. But I think they pull out maybe just uh, you know, probably within like six points or so.
1: Okay, I'm with you. I'm going with the Spurs as well in this one. Um, again, it'll be probably be a tough game. Uh, you know, I don't expect them to, to get an easy win here against Detroit. And I'm basing this more so just on the fact that they do play well at home, considering how bad they've been playing on the road. You know, I'm kind of trying to take that out of my brain and not think about that, just how, you know, what if they come out with a zone defense again? I really feel like, uh, well, against the Pistons, that might actually work just because they can't shoot. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so so that'll be something to watch. Um, I, I'm going to pick the Spurs like you, Mike, h- although I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Um, the next game, Mike, is on Saturday. The Spurs host the Oklahoma City Thunder for the third time this season. The Thunder are 17-13 and 13 on the road seventh offensively on the road, and fourth on defense on the road. Uh, last time they played here in San Antonio, it went to overtime, so that was a really fun game. Uh, who do you have in this one on Saturday? Yeah, This is a tough one
2: because I've actually been working on like this series on my um, episode teams that teams that I guess people aren't paying enough, uh, close enough attention to, and I think the Thunder are definitely one of those teams that are – I mean, they have two legitimate MVP uh, candidates in there with Paul George and Russ Westbrook. And um, they played really well. I mean, uh, Jeremy Grant's done really well for them. And Terrence Ferguson, uh, Dennis Shooter as well. I mean, they, they have a lot of scores. And at the pace that they play at, that that kind of worries me, especially because if they have the kind of defensive lapses that they did against uh, you know, the Nets and the Knicks, that's a team that will definitely make a pay for and they can put points on them pretty quick. So I, I'm actually going with the, the Thunder in this one. I think that'll be a, a tough matchup.
1: Okay, I'm actually with you, Mike. I'm going with the Thunder again. I just feel like from what I've seen from the Spurs, I don't think that that's going to translate over in two games and they're going to be able to to, to fix those issues on defense. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Thunder as well. And just the fact, too, that San Antonio got got beat pretty badly against OKC. Well, they rested some of their guys on the road, but then even when OKC was here, the Spurs could barely uh, pull out a win against them in in that overtime. Uh, The last game, Mike, that we're going to preview here is Monday. The Spurs play the Nuggets for the third time this season. Uh, Denver on the road is 15-14. Offensively, they're 13th on the road, and defensively, they're 15th on the road. Who do you have in this game uh, between the Spurs and Nuggets?
2: There's another one just I, I, think, I think the Nuggets are just a tough matchup to play at this point. I think if we had seen something different on the road trip, I might be inclined to pick the Spurs, but the Nuggets are, I think they've won their last four. They've had some really big wins lately. I mean, they they embarrassed the Spurs. The I want to see how they do. Ten, gets thunder, and I think you can get more of a kind of a gauge where they're at. But I mean, they've looked really good. They're getting everybody back. Isaiah Thomas is back. Um, I think Barton's back. And I, I think they only have one guy right now on the injury list, so aside from um, the guy they drafted. I can't remember his name right now. But they they they're getting healthy at the right time, and they're really deep now. So uh,
1: I see them winning that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you know, it, had the Spurs played better, and, you know, I, I just had a better feel about how they're playing right now, I would have picked the Spurs because I feel like they played pretty, really well against Denver the first time they beat them here in San Antonio. But I really feel like right now right now, it's more so like I got to see it to believe it. I know the Spurs yeah. are good at home, but I actually got to see that just because of how bad that road trip was. And let, let me see them win a few games here at home before I, I start picking them against the Thunder, like elite teams like the Thunder and Nuggets. So, So for now I'm taking Denver as well uh and, and so we'll see what happens there so mike real quick your update uh, update on your record on the spurs cast you're nine and five in your picks and um i'm 37 and 20 <laughs> yeah so yeah nine and five for you uh 37 20 for me that Knicks game really <laughs> threw me off so. steven's still killing uh, me was, up, i think right I, i've lost that the Knicks have thrown me off the bulls have thrown me off the Suns have thrown me off all those teams those bad teams have beaten oh, the spurs that's, they that's, really missed my my red, my record all right thanks mike for joining me on spurs cast episode uh, 530 Spurs, ca- Spurs uh, cast listeners. You can follow him on Twitter at MDeLeon. A few closing remarks before we end this episode. Uh, continue to check Steven Anderson's analysis um, over on ProjectSpurs.com after each game. On the Spurs prospect watch, uh, Benjamin Bornstein, who I had on last week, uh, uh, previewed or profiled, should I say, 6'5 six, five, six, five guard from Washington. Here we go, Mike. Tell me if I'd say this right. No Matisse Taibou. Matisse Tybul or Matias Tybul uh, I'm not I sure. Have, ben ben I finds have all these guys.
2: No idea. We'll just Ben I'm sure we'll correct us if we're wrong.
1: Yeah, so um so again, he, he's the he's the latest uh, prospect that Ben that Ben um you know profiled, especially with the with the tournament c- coming up here. You wanna start yeah. getting ready for for those draft picks as 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 the June draft um is getting closer. Uh also my ten game evaluation on the Spurs, volume six is out over on Project Spurs. Uh, Vicky, Victoria Virial, she wrote her latest piece. It's called With Tough Schedule Ahead, Patience Will Be Key as Spurs Look to Close Out Season Securing Another Playoff Berth. Uh, Leave us a rating review on iTunes if you're listening to to it on there. And thank you again, Mike, for, for mixing down this episode and producing it. Thank you, SportsCast listeners. Have a great day.